Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a different kind of podcast where we have real, deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are certainly ahead of their time and worthy of yours. So listen as I take your favorite entrepreneurs off a pedestal and onto a bar stool right next to you. In life, it all comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. You know, we all see that highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, but I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it all out. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So I'm Beth, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I help entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and media so they can make their mark on the world. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life forward. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible on Behind the Spotlight. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that actually changes your life? That's what happened with me and Tristan Gutner. He's a transformational coach for purpose-driven entrepreneurs and entertainers. And as you listen to this conversation, you're going to hear when I'm freaking out because things are changing for me. And I really think that listening, things will change for you too. I can't wait for you to listen. I can't wait to hear what you think. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and DM me if you have any questions. But this one, guys, it's crazy. Tristan, I'm so happy to talk to you. You know, I'm a huge lover of what you put out there and also of your heart. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I am so excited we're here together this morning. Like I've been looking forward to it all week. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. So tell me what's going on for you. I know that you're always out there in, in the public. I see you, you know, I see your post and what you're doing. Um, what's going on in your heart for your business right now? My heart in my business is very focused right now on just like a lot more media and reaching a lot more people. You know, I'm always, always oriented that way. Just asking the universe, like, Hey, who's ready? Who's available? Like, who am I being led to show me the way? So that is looking like uh, just a lot more TV and a lot more media in general. Um, I always think about like, uh, like trickle down economics, Reaganomics, but like on a personal development level, which is like, let's get all the way up top and then let it just filter through and reach who it can reach and uh, people can do what they will with it. That's amazing. Well, congrats on getting the media, but I'm always fascinated when men are so entrusting with the universe and what they're bringing and the messages. And you, you know, when we've talked before, you mentioned that, does that come from somewhere? Like, how did you get to that? Honestly, because I want to teach my husband that. I, that's a great question. I, it's just always been there for me. Um, I've said many times in many different settings, like literally the first memory I have is sort of about questioning, wanting to understand more my relationship with the universe or God or source or life, whatever anyone wants to call that, that creative intelligence. Uh, so I don't, I don't know why it's there, but it's just always been there. And then, it, you know, it's been a journey of looking around as a very young person and going, wait a minute, that's not how everybody else talks or, right. or maybe even thinks. I don't know, but they certainly don't talk that way. So I, you know, I cloaked that and I, I like put the dimmer on for a long time. Right. Um, but it was just always like how it was oriented. And then just as I got older, more comfortable just being who, who it is I'm here to be, dimmer goes up, up, up. And, uh, you know, the irony, and I think this is probably true for all of us is 
the thing we're most afraid of being rejected for, so the thing we have hit, learned to hide the most deeply is actually the thing we're here to use to serve at the highest level. It's like the key to our highest level of service. And the problem is it's like really buried for most of us. Exactly, because I'm saying to myself, okay, what, what's so buried in me that I'm supposed to be serving for? Because I think a lot of us, especially entrepreneurs, we decide what we're going to be doing. And this is kind of, I always say to my clients, like, what do you want to talk about for the next 18 months? Because that's what we're doing. And maybe that's cloaking really what we're, we're supposed to be doing or what the universe has us doing. And maybe we won't ever hit that potential is I guess scary to me. For me, it's the first thing that comes to mind is like get is being seen and heard and connected and not having that. And I think I do struggle with that, that, you know, I'm not a follower. People won't follow me. Why am I doing this, this and this where ha people have to follow me? And what's so fascinating to me, I mean, we're just getting to know each other over the last month or so, Beth, but, but I've just seen a lot of what you create. And what's fascinating is every time you put something out, people are drawn to it. Like I watch. Really? And I really noticed, yeah, I really noticed these kind of things. Every time you put something out that's really like authentic and from your heart, which is, I haven't seen you put anything out that's not like that. I see people flocking to it. They're drawn to you. Like you have a natural magnetism. And I think you probably know that like somewhere deep within you. I have problems acknowledging that. And that's something that I've been working on recently is like, oh, I've built a reputation and a credibility and a heart center that people see that, but I'm, I'm still not, I, I'm, I'm not connected to it yet. So it makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos for you for being willing to like address that on a, on a podcast. And it's so cool because two minutes ago you said something like, oh shit, I, I wonder like what that is for me. What, <laughs> what am I not? And it's like, there, you just, you found it. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's, well, that's why you're so amazing. You know, I know what, oh, thanks. You're, you're, uh, what your clients say about you. I've seen your testimonials and stuff, but it's com coming from, so I come from a mom who found the source and energy at a young age, from, at a young age for me. And my mom used to do levitations on the kitchen table, like full wow. on 300 pound men lifted off the table. Like as and a you're party watching trick. that as a little kid? As like a 10 year old. Wow. Yeah. My, I remember my mom's 30th birthday party. There was a, like a sketch artist, but it was like a future sketch artist. And I was like a German princess in eight, you know, whatever, 1690. I still have it somewhere. 1691. So I've always been aware of that energy and that source, but not till as an adult did I ever get into it. I don't want to speak out of term, but I, I do think the fact that that's like naturally part of who you are is what is so magnetic to people. Like you, you have an extraordinary openness. Oh, thanks, Jess. <laughs> well, well, I mean it. I'm saying it because it's true. Not, you know, I'm glad you, no, you I feel good hearing that, but, but it really is true. And I think that's fascinating. Like when someone has either naturally or it's been nurtured, has that connection like for your consciousness to be able to reconcile the fact that you saw 300 pound men levitating requires you to be open at a level that other people are not required to be open at right. simply. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's, that's a struggle, I think, for a lot of people who are in the same space that we're in, not meaning business, but in our headspace, because a lot of people through the, I've mentioned to people, and I'm really being much more open about it in the last five years. Because people be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's ridiculous. But even when you said, as a little kid, you felt like that, I was like, well, that's on the East Coast, how you grew up on the East Coast versus yeah. living. Like, that's such a California thing versus mm -hmm. an East Coast thing. 
Yeah, that conversation was not happening in suburban Boston in the 80s, as far as what I was got to witness. It wasn't your bar mitzvah, you know, sermon? <laughs> no, I'm a Hebrew school dropout. I, I didn't have a bar mitzvah. <laughs> but no, that was not going on up there in front of the Torah, as far as I know. So I can see little Tristan, you know, how old is your, little, your older guy, your son? Uh, he's about to be 11 in a couple weeks. Do you, are you seeing, well, I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you're raising him with this consciousness. For sure. Are you seeing parallels to maybe things you forgot when you were little or things that maybe you felt that same way? Or I'm always, I'm always like, what did your mom think? I don't know. I'd have to ask my mom what, what she thought. She's, my mom's really interesting because she, she's like one of the most intuitive people I, that I know, but she's very loath to recognize that about herself. Not because she thinks it's crazy. Like she brought me to like energy healers when I was, when I was 20. Right. So there's an openness, but she doesn't think of herself that way. But she's truly one, like, I can't tell you the number of times in a week where I'm like, oh, mom. And it's like, she'll text me within three minutes. So she's like super tuned in. I don't know what it was like for her to perceive that in me. And also like, I shut that down pretty hardcore. Like, you know, the, 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 these gifts that we have, again, to go back to what we were talking about yeah. earlier, we're, we're either using them for, for service, like to help other people or for survival. And it's like the light is either going outward or it's going inward. Okay. And for me, I turned that gift into a defense mechanism like super quickly. So I don't know if she could even perceive it because I, I ended up using, I think the sensitivity that we all have, I, I don't think I'm unique in, in this at all, actually. Uh, but that sensitivity, I ended up using it as a, as a defensive mechanism, meaning like I would use it because I felt so uncomfortable and unsafe being who I was. I would use it to manage everybody else's needs all the time. So I would walk into a room and I'm just feeling, it could be a room of 20 people. And I'm just feeling everyone uniquely, everyone together. And I'm going like, just as a kid, like mm -hmm. I was so um, conflict averse because I could feel everything so much. So right. even subtle variations emotionally were very uncomfortable, let alone big, big uh, explosions or something like super incendiary. So I would just go like, without even consciously thinking, what do I need to do, say, or be in order to keep everything balanced? So that's where my like energy, my sensitivity was going all the time. And it sucked. Exhausting. It's, it sounds it's exhausting. exhausting. It's horrible. That's horrible. Right. Oh, and I feel for you because I, I get, I feel that way now sometimes, you know, not now because Corona, but we used to walk in rooms. I'd be like, there's just too, it's too much. I can't, there's too much energy. I don't like the feel of it. I'm not, I'm not into this, but I remember being looked at in college because I would say stuff and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Or, you know, <laughs> you're like, like, you'll see. Yeah. feel. My thing is, it, it's funny you talk about your mom because I feel like I'm that way too. Like I will think about people and the phone will ring all the time. And I, and I know that we're cosmically co connected that way, if that's what really happens. So what, what was the transition like for you to go from that defensiveness to being open about it and using it for, let's say, good instead of evil? If I'm being honest, Beth, it's still happening now. Okay. Talk like, I don't know that we ever like totally cross the boundary. We're just like never go into those patterns. So I still catch myself sometimes being like, homie, that's not your, how that person feels is not your job. Just relax. Like you're good. Just chill out. Yeah. It happens way less. Um, was your question, what was that transition like? Yeah. When were you more comfortable coming into it and being, and using it as a part of your life and using it to, to, for your trajectory? 
I think uh, as I, so I'm 41, I think as I sort of started to transition into my very late 20s, early 30s, my son was born when I was 30. And right around that period, I started to go like, okay, this is, this is naturally who I am. And I can't, I can't, as much as I have tried, I can't really fight that. It's, it's just in my DNA. And thus far, I have used it to feel very uncomfortable, resentful of who I am, resentful of the world, just wishing everything was different because it was so uncomfortable. Like, I'm not going out like that. That's, this is, I'm not spending the next 70 years of my life doing that because that sucks. So I just started, to, I just made a subtle decision, but it's something I stuck with to go like, I'm going to figure out how to be who I am and actually like enjoy it and not feel like I have to constantly protect myself. Um, and a lot of that, honestly, Beth, was so much about recognizing how low my self-worth was for much of my life and certainly up until that point. And what started to happen when I really examined that was to go like, I, I get to just decide what it is I want. I don't have to manage everybody else. I can walk into a room and just decide for myself, I want that, I don't want that, I like that, I don't like that, and not be so porous. I think a lot of people don't realize that being sensitive doesn't mean you have to be porous to the world. It doesn't mean like everything is a green light to just come in all the time. No, not at all. And it's, it, it's disconnecting from everyone else's outcome is what, is what I do. Like, and that's what I do in business too. Like I'm not connected to your outcome. I'm connected to your trajectory and what you're yes, trying to exactly. Be, which is really, but different. in order to do that, you have to, your self-worth has to be at a certain level because if it's not, that's when we start taking responsibility for other people's results. Like I used to work, I still work with some coaches like as clients, I mean, uh, but I used to work with almost solely other coaches as my clients. And they, at, at a certain point, all of them would ask, like, what if my clients don't get results? And I'm like, well, that's not your responsibility. Your job is to show up and be awesome and just be you. Their results are their responsibility. But that can only be predicated. That choice can only be made if you feel pretty confident in yourself. And it's like, I'm good enough. I show up as who I am. And what someone else does with that that's their choice. And that's between them and God. I can't, I can't control that. Right. I think that has a lot to do with the people having the imposter syndrome. Like I know what, I think I know what I know. And I, I mean, I think we all have that. I have that too. And I've talked myself off the ledge, like, no, you're good. You know what you're doing. You know what you're saying. It's okay. You know, even creating this podcast, I'm going to talk to all these entrepreneurs and they're going to, why, you know, and I'm like, because I have something to say and I, and I want to help them have something to say was really mm -hmm. what it was for me. But I think a lot of coaches who are unsuccessful for that reason because they can't get around that piece of it and that's really hard yeah and there when you show up whether you're a coach or not when you show up in life like that attached to the outcome what happens is you're like you're only giving a very small part of your bandwidth to the world to a client to your spouse to a conversation because you're scared of what will happen if you like let it all let it all out and in that attempt to control, we end up like creating these results that are so incongruous with what we actually want. And then we're looking at the results going like, this sucks, why is that happening? Not realizing like we are quite literally the only cause of that effect. <laughs> and if we're willing to change something even a tiny bit, the effect changes dramatically. I, and I learned that a lot work, actually working in TV. So I, I was a TV production person. I say BC before children. <laughs> and I, I worked at MTV and NBC and Fox before it was Fox News, before it, when it was just a news show. Uh, <laughs> I always have to say that caveat before <laughs> it was actually Fox News. But I really learned there, like if you're not going to, if you're not going to expel your worth and let people know what it is, 
then you're going to be in the editing room editing crappy copy. And I did not exactly. want to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's true for all of our lives. Like if we are scared of what's going to happen when we be who we truly are, we're going to be in the editing room of our life, editing crappy copy for the rest of our life. We might need to use that for marketing. That actually is pretty good. I pretty like that one. I, go, go for it. Verbal TM. Verbal, yeah, okay, that was good. Um, <laughs> but no, but let's go back a little bit more to, to the younger Tristan. And I know that sure. you didn't start out to be a coach and you've had some interesting jobs. So I have. You went it's to school. All over the place. What was, I don't remember. What was your degree in? Because it's not what you I'm, I, I literally created a degree. I went to school. About halfway through my sophomore year, I was like looking around, like I have no idea who I am as a human being. I don't know if that's the way that I uh, phrased it at that point, but I was like, I'm supposed to pick a major and like decide on what I, I have no idea who I am. Like I was 18, 19 right. and just no concept, no self-confidence, no confidence to even go explore. Like, so I left school. Um, I thought I was even forever. I just ended up taking a year off and I came back and luckily I went to a school that had this option that almost nobody ever used, but you could create a major if it was approved by a certain amount of advisors. Uh, and you know, what's interesting is I ended up studying exactly what I do. I ended up studying human consciousness, the nature of change, how a human goes from one state to another and how we can consciously or unconsciously most of the time do that. I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. But so I studied like religion, philosophy, music, um, anything that was about uh, the core of human nature and how we, how we change. Well, that's amazing. And especially talking about how you didn't have a high self-worth or high self-esteem to be like, I'm going to just choose what I want. Not even really, you know, eight, I have an 18 year old. I can't imagine him being like, I think I want this for the rest of my life. Exactly. Like, it work. Uh, but obviously there were that, that message inside you was, was starting to bubble up so that you could, you know, maybe you were hearing pieces of it. I was for sure. I didn't, I didn't, know it at the time like it was very unconscious um but i've always found and thank god this has been the case i always found like those things will bubble up just enough to get me to take the next step that i need to take and a lot of time especially in the past i would have no idea that that's what was even going on but thank god it did because it like you know it led to us having this conversation right. here but well, at the time i had no idea backwards yeah. really, like, connecting the dots backwards i think is what people don't taking that time to sit and be like oh, that's why this worked out. Or that's how I got here was really interesting. Especially, you know, I went from be, being in TV to nutrition to, you know, and then kind of circled back to TV. But, and it, what you're talking about is that you would really set yourself up to have that information. And then you worked on your piece of how that was going to work for you. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that sort of reverse engineering of success that you're talking about you know, it's a concept that a, a lot of people talk about, but I think its value is missed sometimes. Meaning like when you really look back and reverse engineer how you got from point A to wherever it is you are now, like what you end up seeing every single time is that you always did know the next step every single time. Even if while you were taking the step, you weren't conscious that it was the step, some part of you always knows. Like we're, we're like these homing pigeons. We always know where to go to deliver the message. Well, I know I'm like, what's, what do I think about that? I think that a lot of people don't acknowledge that. I think that that's really hard for a lot of people to understand because it's like, but I don't know. It's like your subconscious knows, your body knows, your alignment knows. I've had several times in my life, and I, I think you have too, where I felt like I, I'm firing on all cylinders. The energy is there. I'm source or God or 
whomever universe is with me, but only for that finite amount of time. And I feel like, a, and I've talked about a lot of people, I'm always striving to get to back to that feeling mm -hmm. and that, and I haven't in a while. And that's a really hard then to say, but you always know what you're doing and you always know where you're going. The reconcile the two of those is hard for me. Yeah, it is for most people that I talk to, um, if not everybody I talk to. Like that's uh, why I coach people. Okay, keep going. Yeah, exactly. That is like literally exactly <laughs> why I do what I do is because of that. And in the end, what everybody finds eventually, and, and certain people take longer depending on their level of resistance, is that feeling where we're firing in all cylinders is ultimately a choice. And it is something we have access to, like here and now, while we, you and I are having this conversation, we each have access to that place. But we're not taught throughout our lives that we get to choose how we think and especially how we feel. Not, not at all. We're told, no. we're told how to think and how to feel. Don't cry. Don't be sad. You know, be happy. All, you know, all the stuff that we tell our kids. Well, and, and feelings themselves, um, you're right. That happens at this, at a certain level. And then underneath that level too, feelings themselves, like emotions feel so powerful. And a lot of people are like, so when I'm sad, I can just choose not to be sad. And, and the answer is sort of yes or no, just meaning like when we're having a human emotion, we have to be with it. We can't like pretend that's not happening. Obviously, most of us try to and compartmentalize it and then it, it explodes our life at some point because it's all built up. <laughs> but there's a big difference between feeling sad and having that feeling dominate your life for the next 24 hours. Like one of the things I'm, uh, I love supporting people with is just going like, let's go directly into that. Let's bring that thing in front of you. Let's give you like give you an experience of being empowered to actually feel that sadness, if it is sadness, to express it with no story. Because most of the time we're so attached to the story. I'm sad because my husband did this. I'm sad because this. And, there, and then other people are on the hook for our emotional state. And we are completely powerless if that's how we're looking at things. And it's not the truth. I mean, we, we both ultimately know that. And so giving someone an experience to just go, hey, I want to show you how to actually feel what you're feeling with no narrative, with no story. So you can breathe, so you can cry, so you can, and usually it's for like two or three minutes passes and it's really quick. And then when it's complete, you're on the other side of it, you feel amazing. And then at that point, we then have access to, to who and what we are and that feeling that you're talking about. Yeah, so I've done um, Landmark Forum. Do you know Landmark? I do. I did that several years ago. And what I got from that was cho choosing your emotion. So I'm sad. I'm choosing to be sad. It's okay. And there's no story behind it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I'm not familiar enough with Landmark to specifically comment on exactly the way they talk about it. But yeah, what I'm ultimately saying is when we have an emotional experience, we either tend to ignore it completely and just pretend it's not there and hope it goes away, or we conflate it completely and amplify it until it's the only thing we can see. And what I have found to be most effective for myself and my clients is there's like this very sweet spot in the middle where we're not ignoring it, but we're not conflating it. Okay. And we're just being with it. And an emotion is, is just a name that we give to a, a chemical reaction happening in our body based on thoughts that we're having. It's, it's not this, this really complex or, or mystical thing that's occurring. And when we're willing to just be honest that we're having this human experience and we're willing to just feel using sadness as an example, to just feel sadness, what you feel sadness is just an experience in the body. When we let the ideas go, 
it's just a feeling in the body. And it's not something that's unmanageable. It's not something that's unbearable. What makes it unbearable is the stories we're telling ourselves about it. But if someone is listening to this, for instance, just feeling sad, just close your eyes and actually feel what sadness feels like in your body. And it's a feeling you can be with. It's a feeling that's very manageable. And it's actually this very small part of you that's having that experience. The majority of you is completely aware of being connected to God. And you can actually bring that part in and just take care of the part of yourself that's feeling sad. And then you're not associated with the emotion. You're just observing it. And if we give ourselves uh, the chance to do that, we'll cry, we'll yell, we'll do whatever. You know, the nervous system knows how to move energy. It's what it does. It's designed to do that. And when we give it a chance to do its job, it's incredibly efficient. So what I often find when I take people through this, this is the thing, by the way, that everyone I've ever worked with resists doing the most. Everyone. Really? I'm so, I'm so in. No, I had an experience actually right before our call. I am trying to work with the company, this company, and I sent them the email. I was like getting ready to send the email of my proposal. And I, I got sweaty. My hand started, you know, like the whole thing. And I was like, what I did is I acknowledged the feeling. I said to myself, why am I feeling like this? And then I felt better. Is that kind of what you're talking about? It's exactly what I'm talking about. I think there's different degrees. But yeah, you did it. You won. <laughs> and you know you won because you felt better after. The thing that, that feels shitty is to be stuck in the story. The emotion itself is not, is not that painful, really. What's really painful are the stories we tell ourselves of the meaning that we give it. It means this about me. It means this about this person. My future is going to look this certain way because of it. And none of it's true. It's complete bullshit. But people resist doing that because once we get out of the story, things move very fast. And right. while our conscious mind is like, I'd love things to move fast. I'd love to send the proposal and the pitch and get this deal and this new client. The subconscious is like cowering in the corner, like, holy shit, I don't want anything to change. I'm terrified <laughs> of change. I'm terrified of an unknown future. I want things to say exactly as they are. Yeah, so I think I, that's why yeah, people resist it. A hundred percent. I'm terrified of looking stupid. That's my thing. I don't want to look stupid. I make spelling mistakes all the time. Like there's certain things that I do that, and I don't want to look stupid in front of these people, mm -hmm. uh, which makes total sense. And I totally agree with the story part. And I really do parent that way. Um, and if I do say so myself, I've done pretty good. Uh, my yes, kids are have. 16 and 18 and they're pretty good people, not just kids. Um, but acknowledging the story you put around it. And I, and I get that from my clients a lot too, is, you know, I have a block here. I have a block there. I'm like, you're creating these blocks. You're creating the story around it. And when you're in action and doing the work, like you've been pitching yourself instead of being, what am I going to do on TV? What am I going to say on TV? I don't want to look stupid on TV. I don't want to, I'll blow up my whole business if I do bad. You know, you can give yourself that whole anxiety attack instead of I can do this because I'm capable and coming from that point of view. But why, is that why you think that a lot of your clients or a lot of people resist that piece of it? We resist that piece of it because there's a part of us that's addicted to staying where we are, that's addicted to being a victim in our life, that's addicted to these emotional cycles where we're very familiar with that, though they might be miserable, they're what we've known. Right, it's, comfor it's comfortable being miserable instead of comfortable taking action or if, if that's what you grew up with like we will always emotionally default to whatever the consistent emotional state was in in our family or our home environment when we grew up and for most people there's like some degree of pain and sadness in that and anger and we'll we'll always go to the lowest common denominator 
if left unchecked. Like if it's done unconsciously, that's what we'll always wow. do. I'm thinking what mine was. Like, so what was it in your house? Um, a lot of sort of like passive aggression, a lot of, I think a lot of sadness. A lot of it wasn't expressed. It wasn't like outwardly tumultuous, but it was palpable. You could feel it. And so that's what I've observed in myself is like when left unchecked, my subconscious is always trying to go back to that state, not because it's fun, because it's certainly not, but it knows exactly how to deal with that when that's the environment it finds itself in. It knows exactly what to do. That's so interesting. Yeah, mine was definitely, mine was not sad. It was definitely happy, but it was also nothing was ever enough. Like you can always work harder. You can always do better. And I think that that I've, worked really hard to get off of that cycle. And I do see that I've given my kids a little bit of that. And I've worked, when I recognize it, I definitely work to pull that back in because it's it's helped me be successful in so many pieces. But at, I'm a little older than you are, my late forties, um, it's not working as much anymore because I, I don't need that kind of motivation anymore. Um, and I think that's that goes through, you know, the choices in work that we've had, the choices of the or school or people or, or mates or, um, you know, I do have a feeling that we do, cho- we do choose our children. That's a whole different conversation. Agreed. And that could be part two of, of our, <laughs> that could be podcast number two. No, but I really appreciate that. So what are your client, what space in their life or somebody coming to you? Typically someone's coming to me, whether it's an entrepreneur or entertainment uh, entertainer, uh, Typically, they're coming to me when they already have some level of success, and that's different for everybody. And what I often hear is like, things are good, but not great. And I just know there's something more that I'm here to do or capable of doing. Oftentimes, someone can't even exactly name what that is, but they it's like this burning feeling inside of them that has to be expressed. I feel like that all the time. I just, you know, if I just had the right support, if I just had the right person beneath me, if I just stopped and took a second to erase my Trello board, because that's making me crazy this week. <laughs> but, but no, that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, I felt so much success as a kid that it definitely colors what I do now. Like I, you know, I, so I was um, a U.S. wire, you know, and I was part of all the Jewish youth organizations and speaking in front of, you know, 10,000 people and you know, that president of this and president of that. But then when I got to college, I was like, I'm done with all of that. I don't want to, I want to be a spectator for a while. And now I'm like, I don't want to be a spectator anymore. So what was that transition from like college to where, like to where you were? Cause I, you weren't a coach for the last 20 years. What have you, like, what have you been doing? No, it was a winding road for me. Uh, it's a very winding road. So I, I uh, was a musician for many, many years, like a working musician. So I, I didn't start playing music till the very end of college. It's like always something I loved, but again, I both didn't trust myself to do it. And I also didn't have the patience to like sit and work at it until that (laughs) age. So, um, but when I started playing, uh, I loved it. It was, I knew it's what I was supposed to do at least in that moment. So I don't know, seven years of my life was like just practicing many, many, many hours a day performing at night. Um, and I, I really actually, I didn't realize this was happening, but it taught me how to coach. Like really straight up, it taught me how to coach because I was, yeah, so I I play the upright bass and I was playing mostly in jazz settings, uh, some other ones too, but that's a lot of the performing was in jazz settings. So, you know, in in jazz music, there's like a a loose structure that's agreed upon. There's a a rhythm and a time signature and harmony and a melody at the beginning and end. But in the middle, 
there's very little structure. There's, there's a couple of small agreements, but there's a ton of space to explore. So what's required to do that at a high level is to be fully aware of what you're doing in every moment, but simultaneously be fully aware of what everybody else is doing in every moment okay. and what's created by doing that. So it, it taught me how to really like focus on multiple things, but be really present with all of them at the same time. And then another piece was this, I, because I started so late, I was always like by far the worst musician on the bandstand and the least experienced, like by far. And I was, I was very fortunate to be playing with people who were really advanced, but it was fucking scary to do that. Getting up on stage in front of people when you haven't been practicing for 12 years is scary. Yeah. And when you're creating something in the moment, it's not just like play this thing that you have memorized. It's like be fucking present and create something in the moment. So I learned how, how to, when things were going off the rails, I learned how to, to recognize like, okay, I can either fold here and it's going to be really ugly, or I can lean in and just figure out how to make something beautiful out of this. And that's a lot of what anything is, but it's certainly a lot of what coaching is, which is just to be really present. Like I don't, the coaches that I love working with, meaning receiving support from, are the people who don't have a game plan before the call. They're well-versed, they're confident, they know what they're doing, but they're present with me. They haven't predetermined what they're going to say or what the answer is. They're just present with me and with God and whatever needs to be delivered. I love that. And that's... So I didn't, I didn't realize that's what was happening, but again, reverse engineering, connecting the dots in reverse. I was like, holy shit. I, I was training to do that for so long, but I just didn't know it. I, I really appreciate that because the messaging out there for coaches is know what you're doing and have it all set up and have, you know, every minute connected. And I don't coach like that either. I don't work like that because everybody's different. And if we show up on a call together, you're going to need something different than I'm going to need. So why do that? But I think that if people have a really hard time focusing on what they're doing and being present with everybody else around them, I think that's a real talent that you were tapping into at that point in your life too. Yeah. And, and again, I thank God I was, I had n- literally no idea. I was just like, I'm going to be a musician for my life. That's what I'm doing. But it, it set me up to be who I am today. So I'm so grateful. So I, I did that after college. I, uh, I did so many things, man. I worked at a cafe. It's where my wife and I met. I worked construction. My wife and I ran a high-end house painting business. I led meditation retreats. I just did all of these things. But like, what gave you the guts? Like, I'm a house painter and I'm going to lead meditation retreats. That's, there's no connection there. Well, there is a connection, but it took me a long time to see it. Sort of what I see, like, painting houses was certainly not my life's passion. But what I did love is going in and really having a conversation with someone and going like, you're ready for a change. What is the change that you desire? And most people wouldn't really know. And so we would go in and part half the business was just consulting and going like, this would be an awesome design idea here. They'd leave, they'd come back in six hours or two days or whatever, and their space would be transformed. And you could see the internal transformation for them based on that transformation. So there was a connection. Again, I didn't know that at the time. Um, You were just, were you, so you were designing or just painting, like changing the color? Both, both all, depending on what someone needed. Uh, so I was doing that and teaching retreats sort of at the same time based on one of my uh, teacher's body of work. Stopped doing the retreats. Um, and as I was stopping, I just started to see like in that environment, um, people were having incredible experiences, but they didn't know how to, how to integrate them into daily life. So when I would talk to people weeks or months after, their, their life and their internal experience wouldn't really have changed. Like it was almost like they had this experience and it was this isolated thing 
that existed in those four days and had no business being in their life. And something inside of me was like, man, you're not here. Like, this is not what you're here to do. There's nothing wrong with that system or body work. It's beautiful. It's really incredible actually. But I just knew I was here to do something different. I didn't even know coaching existed. Honestly, I knew who Tony Robbins was, but I had no idea there was this industry. I had no idea there was other people who did that. What year was that? This was seven years ago. Coaching was just kind of becoming mainstream seven years ago. Totally. And I just knew in that moment, like I have to create a scenario where I'm one-on-one or in a small group where I have like real intimate access to people and where they have said, I want your help. Like nothing is off limits. Let's go. And I just said like, okay, I'm going to coach. I didn't even really know what that was, but I just started at first for free saying like, Hey, can I offer this to you? And it just worked every time. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is something I, there is something here. People are experiencing change. I have some idea of how to do this. And I just, I just really leaned in and went for it. Um, but I always still had that, the house painting business on the side. So I would like, it was a real safety net. I would always rely on that for financial success. Right. And I was at a, uh, at an event with one of my mentors several years ago and I got up to ask him a question. I don't remember what, and it wasn't like a huge question. And I started sobbing, like uncontrollably sobbing. It's probably the hardest I've ever cried. And I like, I don't, I literally don't think I even said any words. So I had to like go sit down and compose myself. But what had happened was all the frustration, all the pain, all the resentment of not allowing myself to be who I'm really here to be just boiled over. I don't know why in that moment, but it did. And when I let it all go and I let it all move, I, I just made a decision like I'm done. That painting business is closed. We closed it on the spot and I'm, I'm all in on doing this thing that I'm here to do. And I'm going to trust that I will be shown what I need to do to make it a success. And what's so amazing, it's like once we decide and go all in, like that's when the doors open. They don't open before that because we haven't made a decision. There's no reason for them to open. We wouldn't even walk through them. No, not at all. Tony Pog yeah. talks about burning the boats. From your story, I don't feel like it was burning the boats. It was letting go. That's the thing. It, it, it was. You know, burning the boats, I think, is a very helpful analogy for a lot of people. And it, it's fiery. It sparks a fire. But for me, it was actually just reconciling. Like, I just don't need that anymore. Like, I'm meant for more. And within about two weeks after that, I'd had like a monthly income goal for my coaching business. I wanted to hit 10K in a month for like two or three years, literally. And I was like... I had no idea how to do it. It was so far away from what I'd ever done. And I did it in five days, about two weeks after, after making that decision. And, and it was the easiest thing I ever did. It was so easy. It required, I'm not saying I didn't do anything, but it wasn't hard work. I was just picking up the phone. Like I'm inspired to reach out. I'll just text that person. I'll call that person. And within five days I had, I had surpassed that 10 K. And then within a month I had doubled that and it just took off from there. Because you were in action. And I think a lot of people listening have that fear of picking up the phone. People don't want to talk to people anymore, especially people who are younger. They're not used to talking to people. So I do worry about that, but that's another conversation. (laughs) But I think picking up the phone or texting somebody or messaging people, I think that's the difference between maybe a more successful coach and someone that's like, I can't get past the 1K a month even close to my, you know, to get to the 10K. Well, and it's every, for me anyways, it was everything that led to me being willing to pick up the phone. And it was a huge sea change in my mindset and in my emotional state, which is like, I deserve this. I'm worth it. 
I get to be happy. I get to make money. I can help people. It was owning all these very foundational things that I just hadn't been willing to own. And once I started to, and they all fell Tetris style, they all fell into place very quickly based on me being willing to look at that emotional pain that I'd been like bottling for so long. Mm -hmm. Once those things came online, it wasn't hard to pick up the phone. I wasn't actually scared to. And I, I, I remember I had a conversation with God and I was just like, listen, I'm doing this because I can't live with myself if I don't do this. I know I will be shown how to do it and I'll do whatever you show me to do, even though it's scary, even though I think I might fall on my face and fail publicly, I, I will do it. And I just started getting like these very simple ideas. Everyone does. Like we all are receiving those messages all the time. And because I had sort of like built that self-worth up, Right. And that trust and that faith up, picking up the phone wasn't actually very difficult then. But it was everything that led to get to that place where that was more the heavy lifting up. Right. Well, congratulations to you. I don't know if you've actually stopped and said, hey, that was pretty amazing of me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to, to, to take that journey, because you, you, I'm sure you've seen in your clients and I have too. It's like they stop three quarters. You're almost there. They stop yes. three quarters before the, and I've stopped too. You know, I've created products that everyone says I'm supposed to be creating and not launch them and be mad at myself for months or torture myself for months about not doing it. And then being able to sit back or talk with my coach and be like, Oh, I don't have to. What do you mean? That makes more sense. And I could tell you doing the podcast is so much more aligned and I feel so much more in myself doing this than really anything else I've done this and doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching is amazing and showing up and helping groups is you know i feel i feel so alive when i do that like the adrenaline it's not my husband would be like are you nervous i'm like no i'm just so excited the adrenaline because i know that i'm going to help these people in this way in this amount of time and i just i just get to get you know show up leave my genius and leave yes which for a long time you know i've had a lot of trauma the last couple of years that i'm learning to let go of but i was so stuck in that and serving other people was so not a part of where i could be that coming back and figuring out what what's aligned for me and what works for me now i have that space to get back to people and really be there for them it was so it was like duh like i didn't acknowledge it for so long and i didn't acknowledge cuz you know acknowledging your trauma i think is one of the hardest things to do for sure that and and when you asked like i don't know 20 minutes ago why people resist doing that emotional exercise that's exactly why because it's going in and bringing love to a place that like hasn't received love and acceptance ever those areas of emotional trauma where we feel shame and we feel guilt and i know you're talking about a physical trauma also from the accident but they're always coupled with emotional trauma because we just we convolute the process so deeply and most of us for our whole lives and we never we never clear it up it's it when we strip it away, it's, it's like really simple. It's not, you know, you can, I, you can, and I do teach my 10 year old about this kind of stuff. You can talk to children about this where it's like underneath it, we have this infinite potential. We have the source of all life moving to and through us in every moment, but we're not that aware of it because we're carrying around all these things that we feel shitty about. And we're unwilling to look at them because it's scary to look at them. But the second we look at them, we allow ourselves to feel and we allow it to flush through. We're immediately again, aware of, what you can call God's spirit source moving to and through us all the time. And that expanded elevated state you were talking about, we actually like, we do have access to that all the time. And it's a choice whether we do what's required to access it in, in a given moment. Coach me a little bit. 
Sure. So I want to, or coach our listeners a little bit. So we, I myself, and hopefully lots of people listening want to access that. Is there an exercise or a way of thinking that you can give the audience to brighten their day or help them achieve the higher alignment? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a couple of different things. The simplest one I would give is um, if you, if people listening haven't checked out Neville Goddard's work, I really recommend everybody check his work out. Um, specifically the power of awareness. That's um, one of my favorite works of his, but he talks about this concept, assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. In a way we're talking about what some people call visualizing, but I just like the way he puts it because it's based on feeling. So he's essentially just saying this, whatever you want in your life and whatever vision you have, instead of wondering, how am I gonna get there? Instead of worrying, shit, I don't know if it's gonna work. This might happen, this might happen. Instead of all that bullshit, which I have compassion that we all do it, but it is bullshit. It's like, it's not, none of that's really helping us. Go into the vision and live as if it's happening right now. Like you're looking out through your own eyes in the vision and allow yourself to feel what it feels like to be that version of yourself. Because what it will feel like at some level is inspiring, empowering, clear, happy, exciting, et cetera, et cetera. And two things happen once we do that we feel really good. It feels good to feel those things. We become more aware of how supported we are by life to have that thing. It's a natural experience to be in that vision. And because we are in that emotional and psychological state, we then become aware of the opportunities around us right now to take a step towards that thing and bring that vision into fruition, if not immediately, very quickly. So it's a very simple exercise, but imagine if we did that instead of every time we worry about how something's gonna happen or tell ourselves why we can't, imagine we did that. Our lives would be unrecognizable in like a month or two. Oh, so I do do my own form of that. I have a hard time and see I'm putting, I'm putting a story to it, visualizing. Like I, you know, I can see it in my, I can think it, but I can't see it in my mind's eye. I just, I have- Well, I think the feeling is the important part. Because a lot of people tell me like, I'm not good at visualizing. And if that's the case, that's okay. But uh, just feel the feeling. That's what's really important. What does it feel like to have the thing you want or be the person you want to be? Right. And I, I do that. And I have to tell you that when I do do that, opportunity is what comes up for me. People will call yeah. me. Like I had before, I had a conversation this morning with a gentleman who's like a C-suite executive. He's like, if you, can find, if you can find a project for me, I'll do it. And I literally opened my email and there was a project for him today. And I emailed him. He's like, that's interesting. Set it up. And I was like, okay. Like, so I set it up. You know, so that's a reminder for me and a reminder for our audience to do that more often, because when you're all in, when you put yourself in that place and you can feel it, think it, your body, mind, soul, universe, whatever your thing is, it really does open up. Um, and we've all heard these stories. Like I, you know, I had two, $2 to my name and I did ABC and I got a check for $30,000. Like I know they're antidotal, antidotal, but um, I believe that they really do make a difference in your life. I believe it with every fiber of my being, everything I have built in my business, everything I built in my personal life is, is based on just doing these. Like these are cool ideas, but they don't mean shit if, they, if they're not lived. But the only reason I ever talk about any of this stuff is because I have like, I feel tested it in my own life and it is absolutely what works without question. That's amazing. Well, you know, I think you're amazing. And now our audience gets to see how amazing you are. So everyone, after you listen, after you listen, then sit and visualize and feel how you want to be in the next six months and tag us, let us know on social media, how that's working for you and what happens in your life. Tristan, in the notes will be everything 
that everyone can find you? Is there one specific place that you want people to go to find more information about working with you or your teachings? Just, just go right to my website. It's just my name, tristanguttner.com. And there's easy, easy ways to get in touch with me. I will personally answer your emails when you send them. And um, I'd just love to hear what's, what's going on in your life or your business and how I can help. Oh, Tristan, thank you so much. Sending you and your family much love today. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Beth. Thanks for joining me this week on Behind the Spotlight. Make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd love a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about it and that would help me out too. But if you like the show and you want to check out more, look me up at bestnightic.com. Plus now I'm offering private 90-minute intensive strategy sessions. You might want to get in on that too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode of Behind the Spotlight.